Ah, uh, g'day. Uh, let's call this episode three. Um, this morning I was uh, driving around, doing a few odd jobs, listening to the ABC as I do. And the health minister, Queensland's health minister, was there talking in parliament about uh, the vaccines and how not enough people are getting their boosters and they're worried about a big outbreak over Christmas and they're, they're talking about masks and they're talking about putting masks on children again and they're talking about the possibility of mask mandates and <laughs> it's sort of disturbing, rather upsetting to hear these things being spoken about with all seriousness from these people who govern this state. I mean, are we back in 2020? What's going on here? This is the end of 2023. We've had a good 18 months of uh, good data, good numbers, good scientific research into just how effective these vaccines are. And guess what? They're not effective. In fact, they could be a little bit dangerous. They could be a little bit bad for people. There's a bunch of evidence also showing that um, if you've had a bunch of these shots, you know, a couple of vaccines and a few boosters and whatever, your likelihood of contracting COVID may actually go up might actually go up. Uh, Really good doctors over in America are talking about how people are showing up with autoimmune um, issues where they've never had them before after having um, two shots and a couple of boosters and and then getting COVID and then getting COVID and then going to the doctor and it's like, well, gee, this is weird. Something that's going on here that you've never had a problem with before your immune, um, your immunity and your autoimmunity immune system is playing up. And they're like, yeah, the vaccine could definitely be to blame here. We're pumping ourselves full of this thing still with all of this evidence showing that it's not really good for us. And it's certainly not the cure to COVID. It's not this magic thing that's stopping COVID in its tracks. I mean, if it was going to do that, it would have done that a while ago, wouldn't it? I mean, a lot of the world got the first vaccination. Many, many, many tens of millions of people. And yet here we are. It's still around. It was always going to be around. And this is the thing, right? I remember seeing on Facebook right at the very get-go, at the very beginning of 2020. Um, one of my, one of my uh, friends uh, shared a post from this doctor and he was saying basically that we really ought to control ourselves and be careful of how we react to this because it is, after all, um, a fairly normal sort of coronavirus and it will always be around. It is now out there. 
very little can stop it from spreading. And once it's sort of spread and um, mutated a few times, it'll just be around forever and ever. Just like the influenza virus, just like your normal colds and all the rest of them. And, man, I mean, if only this doctor. And, of course, there were many doctors saying the same thing. And uh, no one listened to them. And, obviously, there were, there were a bunch of people, you know, ramping up the panic. And there, were, there was lots of uncertainty in 2020. Of course there was. Because no one really knew what to expect. Um, but, you know, by the end of 2020, there were a lot of people with a pretty good grip on what was going on, explaining how the lockdowns were pointless and we needed to stop the lockdowns. Stopping people from moving about was pointless. Wearing masks was pointless. And when the vaccine was delivered and pumped into people's bodies it soon became apparent that the vaccine was basically pointless. I, I got it. My wife got it. And, of course, a little bit of it because it was because we thought it was the right thing to do. But also, um, we were kind of bullied into it, right, as were millions of other people. Otherwise, you weren't allowed to travel. You weren't allowed into the pub. You weren't allowed into certain shops. You weren't allowed on a plane, you know, you weren't allowed to cross state borders. You had to sort of get vaccinated to continue your life as normal. Lots of people out in this part of the world who, <clears throat> rightfully so, looking back on it, knew they really didn't want to take this vaccine. They did anyway. They sort of had to just to continue on with a normal level of life. And look at uh, the way, you know... Government employees like police and teachers and nurses were treated. They were literally forced into taking the vaccine. Or their livelihoods, their jobs were on the line. It's just outrageous. And at the time, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, nurses, they're heroes. We love our nurses. They're the, they're the, they're the people in the, in the, at the front line of this battle against the virus. The nurses are the heroes. That was, that was the, 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 the going story, right? And all of a sudden, ah, these bloody nurses not taking the vaccine, dirty bloody anti-vaxxers, they can get kicked out of their work. Doesn't matter if we're running out of nurses. They don't get to make a choice for themselves. Stinky bloody anti-vaxxers. And that was the label, you know? That was the label put on people who had a few questions about this vaccine which is built differently than any other vaccine that we use already. It's a different thing. It, it works entirely different. It sort of taps into your actual DNA. And that's why people were sort of a little worried. And the scariest part of all of it is it seems like it's causing some rather bad heart issues in young people. Heart issues that are popping up out of nowhere that just weren't a thing before the vaccine was invented. Now, look, anti-vaxxer. I mean, <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My children had all the shots they required when they were babies. 
there's no way I wasn't going to give my newborn babies uh, the chance of getting whooping cough or something, right? And things like polio, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, all the rest of it. It's, we've annihilated so many awful things that used to be just everyday, you know, things that people got sick with all the time 50, 60, 70 years ago. We've, we've annihilated so much of that thanks to vaccines, thanks to really good medical advancements, vaccines that had sometimes, you know, decades of science behind them. And then along comes this one. And because it was rushed so severely, so radically rushed, and, you know, at the time I was kind of praising Trump for getting it done so quickly because he did um, help with a lot of money. Um, well, you know, maybe not so much. Turns out rushing this thing after testing it on like six rats, yeah, not such a great idea. And they're still pumping people full of this thing. I think it's been modified a little bit, has it? I'm not sure. But doesn't matter if it really hasn't done its job at all. We'll just continue talking about it like it's the the most amazing vaccine ever made. And the masks. I mean, what are we doing? Just please, no. Please, no. I mean, are people going to put up with this for a second sort of round? I'm not sure. Like a second round? Like a... We've been living very normally for quite some time now. And when people start suggesting going back into some sort of scenario like we were a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, I don't think many people will like that idea. I really don't. And I hope lots of people throw up a fucking stink about it. I mean, it turned people's brains into mush. So much of this propaganda really broke the brains of so many people you know i go to brisbane um kind of occasionally a couple of times a year usually and <laughs> on my most recent trip you still see some of these lunatics in their cars with the windows up by themselves in the car maybe off to work whatever wearing a mask i mean what, what's going on inside that person's head what, what, what are they afraid of being in their car? And do they know that that mask, because you can breathe through it, in and out of it, you're like, it's a struggle, it's not very nice, but you can do it. Do they really think it's going to stop a microscopic virus? Well, of course they don't. The masks don't stop the virus. That's also proven data. Oh, it's so frustrating. So annoying. I mean, it's just... It makes you want to... Fucking... Makes you want to go around and... Scream at someone, you know? Like, wake up. Stop this. Just stop. Stop trying to tell us what to do. Just because you're the government? And you're a bunch of bureaucrats that we haven't even elected? You don't get to tell us what to do. We get to make our own choices in this country, I thought. We're supposed to be a democracy. Of course there's laws. And I'll abide by all of them. But when your common sense leaves the building, I tend not to listen. 
Like, the common sense factor just, just blew out the window during COVID. So much of the world's politicians and leaders became these, these dictatorial authoritarian bullies. That's all they became. They, they were nasty and they, they started using name-calling as weapons. The Canadian Prime Minister, Trudeau, the things he called those truckers that were protesting the, the vaccine mandates, and they, they pulled up their trucks and did a bit of a protest. Things he called them is just disgusting. He, with no evidence. I mean, it's just because he was pissed off with the whole scenario. He called them racists, Nazis, Trump lovers. I mean, you know, that's confusing. Uh, homophobes, misogynists, all, all kinds of things. They were just a bunch of normal, everyday truck drivers who didn't want to take the vaccine and didn't think it was really necessary and they just wanted to drive their truck and do their job. They didn't want a lot. They just didn't want to be forced out of their work by a dictator throwing his hands around, screaming about taking the vaccine. They said no. That's all they said. They said, no, I don't want to. And you can't make me. So we're going to pull up our trucks, set up a bit of a camp and do a protest. No one was hurt. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing went wrong. And then, get this, right? These, these truckies, some of them had, um, you know, they had people wanting to support them and help them because they were doing a good thing and waking the world up to just kind of the kind of Madness, they, these mandates really were in Canada and other parts of the world. But Trudeau was particularly, properly, a bit of a nut about it. He thought he was like the leader of Cuba or something. You know? He went proper dictator. So these truckies pulled up and they wanted uh, just to be listened to. And a lot of people were happy to listen and help. So these um, PayPal uh, funds were set up where people could donate money to these truckies. Trudeau and his government went into these accounts and took the money and then closed the, all these accounts up and even uh, closed bank accounts of people trying to support them. Personal bank accounts were fucked with because all they wanted to do was give, give a little money to these truckies who were protesting the mandates. I mean... That is what happens in communist dictatorships like North Korea. That's exactly what happens when private things like your bank account are now open for business for the government to go in and fiddle with. That is the very definition of uh, fascism and dictatorship. When uh, your personal life is no longer very personal. Um, by the way, that's, this, is a, this is a trend that, of course, ramped up during COVID. But it hasn't ramped back, like it hasn't wound down. It's, in fact, still ramping up. Where governments are becoming more and more scary, the way they talk about fiddling with our private lives. Um, and the more and more we go into electronic banking... 
the more and more we, we move away from cash, the harder it's going to be to stop electronic banking being monitored and fiddled with. These uh, smart cars, these, these um, EVs that people are buying, there's been talk about how they can be tapped into by government, by whoever, and they can be monitored. Um, they can even be shut down. You know, bank accounts, like I say, electronic bank accounts, um, with the hysteria around climate change, people are talking about how a government might um, set up a new, you know, set of laws, new legislation where they're fully allowed to monitor your bank account to see what you're purchasing, how much petrol you're buying, you know, because they're worried about uh, the carbon footprint or whatever. Oh, look, Johnny's uh, filling up his uh, V8 Nissan. Oh, what are he's, what he's off to? What is he, what's he doing? Oh, we better just stop him at 50 bucks because we don't want him uh, polluting the earth with his vehicle that he bought himself with his money. And this is, this is the kind of thing that is possible. It is possible to do this because you know why? They're already doing it in communist China. Now, whenever I mention places like China or any other part of the world, let me get a couple of things very clear. Let me straighten this out for you. I am not talking about the Chinese people. The everyday, you know, man, woman and child in China. I'm talking about the government, which are a mixture of a bunch of things, but they are also communists who really do enjoy monitoring their citizens every day, their everyday movements, their purchases, where they live, what they do in their lives, their bank accounts, all of it. Their social media accounts are all monitored. In uh, North Korea, <laughs> the, the citizens in that country basically don't even know there is the rest of the world. They think North Korea is basically, basically it. They know nothing about the rest of the world because all the social media, Google, all of it is kind of shut down. But China have their own Google. They have their own TikTok. They have a, like... TikTok's a Chinese thing, right? But the TikTok that they let the rest of the world use is entirely different to, to what um, the Chinese use because they have to be controlled, you know, in what they sort of think and do and say. And if you say the wrong thing in China, if you're a bit of a critic about the government or, you know, something like that, you could disappear. You may just go missing during the night and never be seen again. It's happened many times. <laughs> Um, you know, of course, that's something that Putin loves to do in Russia. And uh, Russia's a, a communist state. You can't live a fair, free life when the government are looming over you like, like big fucking monsters trying to push down on you all the time and, and interfere with your life and your livelihood and your business. But that's what big government are becoming... Across the Western world, that's what they're starting to really become rather fond of. They love the power. They've got a really good taste of it during COVID, many of them, and they don't want to let go. They've sunk their teeth in and they've tasted the, the, the blood of the, these, the peasants, right? And they love it. 
It's like, you dumb bloody peasants, you don't know, you know, what's wrong and right. Let us explain it to you. Let us tell you what's real and what's, you know, misinformation. We'll let you um, decide on uh, what you watch, sure, but uh, we'll control what you watch in, in the way that that's what's on television. And uh, they're actually seriously considering this, you know, controlling what's on television. It happened in a big way in, um, in, with Twitter, right, when Musk bought Twitter and realized that Twitter was uh, banning people for saying correct things. Twitter was, uh, you know, annihilating whole accounts forever for um, just trying to talk about, you know, vaccine mandates and all the rest of it during COVID. And then when it came time to vote for um, Trump or Biden... Uh, Twitter was uh, also deleting accounts that were mentioning Biden's corrupt dealings with uh, his son. They, they were removed. Facebook removed them. A bunch of social media accounts were erased because they were trying to talk about how corrupt Biden is, which he is. He is. I mean, it was true then, it's true now. Um... Look at this country and what we um, experienced during the, um, the referendum and how the ABC especially, they could not shut up about talking about how there was all these lies on social media, the misinformation, the disinformation, these, these two of these uh, new favourite words of the elite systems. Uh, and it suckered people into voting No. That was their actual argument. Some of them, many people said, when the results were in, it's like, oh, well, stupid old Australia were sucked in by these lies. Now we're going to have to try and control what people see on social media even more. And they, they were setting up whole task forces. Whole task forces. Forces. Jeez, that's a tongue twister. Task forces in, um, in government to deal with misinformation as if, as if the peasantry, us, you know, these stinky people, the everyday worker, couldn't uh, make up their own mind. They need the government to help them? No. Nearly everyone are smart enough, is smart enough to make a decision regarding all kinds of things. You know, we don't want or need the government pushing in and, you know, trying to make decisions for us, especially when it comes to our businesses and our livelihoods and our families. My God, we don't want the government in our hair like that. Um, oh, Ronald Reagan, back in the 80s, he had uh, some good, real good things to say. And some of them were all about how government, a good government... First of all, listens to the people and then does its very best to get out of the way so that people can just live their lives. Protect them, yes. You know, give them a free country to live in and security and prosperity. But mostly just get out of the way so people can make their own decisions and do the right thing for their own situations. And that's becoming less and less a thing that's you know, accepted 
And the, the worst part is, like, I know a lot of people have thrown their arms up and said, fuck all of this back- vaccine and mask shit. We've had enough. But at the same time, there are a lot of people out there who are quite happy to have someone to just follow like sheep. They're quite happy just to have, you know, big brother looking down, you know, telling them what to do. Because people, at the end of the day, so many, especially young people, they don't really understand making their own decisions. They don't understand responsibility, individual responsibility. It's not something that's been ingrained in them the way it, it was for previous generations. There's always, it's always someone else's fault. Individual responsibility, individualism in general is in, it seems like it's in all kinds of trouble because we just, everyone wants to be a part of some mad group. Well, you can't just be Jimmy or, or bloody Sarah or you can't just be Joe down the road or Bob the truck driver or, you know, Michelle who owns the bloody corner store. No, no. these young people don't think like that. They have to be part of a group. They have to be uh, part of some fictional sexual orientation. They have to be part of some mad race or religion and they identify themselves as that before they identify themselves as just themselves. They're desperate to be a part of these groups. And, and the, the biggest group of all, that's the most popular, of course, to be a part of, is the victim group. Everyone's a victim. Everyone's, it's all, it's all the fault of all the others, just not mine. It's not my fault. I'm the victim. This is a trend. This is, the cool kids are the victims. We're the oppressed, you know. We live in the freest country to ever exist, but we're the oppressed. We're oppressed. Oh, we need a safe space, quick. Get me a safe space. I'm, I'm, people have been talking to me. They're talking to me, and it's, just, it's, it's violence. People are telling me that I'm a bit of a sook. It's violence. Get me away, please, help. This is the soft... These are the soft generations, you know? And sadly, soft generations are the ones who might vote with some uh, <laughs> rather poor judgment. And it's the soft generations that help get us into bad situations, maybe even war, because they are choosing compassion. When in reality, um, you know, political parties like the Greens, who claim to be the, the most compassionate ones, we're the caring ones, we care about nature and people and all the rest of it. They're actually the ones that make the stupidest decisions that are not practical and not based in reality and do get us in deep shit. The deepest shit I think we're in right now regarding this country is our fuel security. Because without diesel, petrol, aviation fuel, and all the rest of it, we are screwed. We have like 30 days of reserves, I think, like in this country, before uh, we completely sort of run out. 
And if the ships don't continuously bring us the refined fuel, that's what happens. You kind of run out. And I'm not sure if you've uh, noticed, but the road networks are the blood veins and the arteries that keep this country functional. It is the roads and the machinery and the trucks. And of course, the agricultural machinery and the mining machinery. These are the only things that are keeping this country any kind of resembling functional. Now, the functionality goes away pretty quickly without diesel, especially diesel. Because all of your trains, trucks, heavy machinery runs on diesel and we don't make almost any of it here. We certainly don't have oil wells and we certainly don't have big refining plants anymore like we used to. We rely on our refined fuel to come on a ship. Now what if someone decides to blow a few of those ships out of the water or just stop them? You don't even have to destroy them. Just block them up for a bit. You know, close a few of the shipping lanes. And you know what? If there is war, even if it's away from us, anywhere, it doesn't have to be anywhere near us. War tends to block up shipping lanes. War tends to take up areas of the ocean sometimes where normal everyday shipping traffic needs to travel. So, you know, it might even be completely uh, accidental and not even um, a purposeful attack on Australia. But if there's trouble overseas, yeah, your uh, supply chains, like we've already experienced a bit of chaos in that area around when it was COVID time, your supply chains fall to pieces and if a few ships don't show up carrying that fuel... We're in the biggest fucking shit show you might ever see. Then all of a sudden, you, you, you watch your shop, shopping centres, your, your uh, grocery stores, your, the shelves, watch all that good food just disappear because it's not being restocked. Yeah, it was, uh, it was rather troubling watching similar things happen with toilet paper and, and food to some degree, but that's nothing. Wait till there's no trucks rocking up to restock those shelves with your everyday items. Wait till um, your petrol stations run dry. Wait till aircraft fuel runs dry. What in the actual shit would we do? That's the end of (laughs) this country as we know it, isn't it? I mean, we can't exactly drill oil wells and rebuild the refineries in a few days. That takes years. We don't have enough backup. Many of our backup systems that run on diesel are backup systems for our electricity grids too, by the way. There's a lot of, awful lot of uh, diesel generators out there helping these so-called uh, uh, green energy systems, helping them, you know, r- operate when it's, <laughs> when it's cloudy and not very windy or at night time, perhaps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do people know about that? Maybe not, because people are so naive about some of this, you know. It's like, oh, the solar panels and the wind farms will be so amazing. Yeah, well, except when it's night time and you don't have battery backup, and it's not very windy, what do you do? Well, they have to switch on diesel generators. That's what happens. Oh, boy. 
how did I um, get down this rant? And it started with uh, <laughs> the Queensland government talking about the vaccines again. And here we are discussing the lack of fuel security in this country. Yeah, that really is something that is really scary. And it's scary for people living in the cities especially. Your big cities are going to be in big trouble when not just the fuel security, the the power grids are not coping. I don't know if... Has anyone noticed? These uh, billions of dollars worth of so-called green forms of energy, they're not that great. They're not going to cope with a growing population. And lots of people are predicting serious blackouts. But like I say, it's the people in the cities I'm scared for. At least out here, where I live, I've got a generator to run the house, quite a bit of, uh, you know, diesel storage. Not a whole lot, really. I should probably have way more. But I've got some. Lots of people have got way more. And lots of people are way more self-sufficient than me, too. I don't even have a veggie garden. I'm pretty useless at that. But, uh, you know, we places like this in rural areas will be okay for a certain amount of time. The cities will crumble and fall into chaos within hours of, of bad blackouts and bad shortages, shortages of fuel and food and, you know, your water. Okay, what happens to the water um, infrastructure in some of these cities? I'm not entirely sure, but um, I'm dead certain that these diesel plants that Palaszczuk is raving on about use a shit ton of electricity, because they do. Is she going to uh, build a bunch of windmills to, to power these things and hope for the best? You know? <laughs> do people think about these things? These, I know they're pretty scary scenarios, but they're all very real. They could very easily happen. Blackouts are predicted to happen, with or without, you know, wars overseas or fuel shortages. Just blackouts. Blackouts alone are going to be scary for a lot of people if they become, you know, you're talking, you know, three, four days maybe in a large city with no power. That's getting scary with your hospitals and your bloody, or your refrigerated um, shopping centres with all the refrigeration and the air conditioning and all the rest of it. That's getting a little worrying. What about your street lights, your traffic lights, your cell towers for your mobile phones? No one has a landline anymore. Like, seriously, I'd, I'd love to know how many people have a landline in these major cities. I bet you nearly no one anymore. Because you've got your mobile phone. Well, what are are you going to... Okay, there's no power for a few days. So you're only being able to charge your phone in your car. Okay. So you're driving around in your car? Or you're just letting it run in your driveway? And no power also means no pumps at at your servos? Sounds a little worrying. 
I'd be worried. I'd be, uh, if it's possible, I'd be getting an electrician around if I lived in one of these major centres and asking if, you know, can we just put a little generator here that I can wire up into my main box and go to emergency backup power. That's what I'd be doing if I had, you know, any sense of, uh, any sense of what can and maybe will happen going into the future. Because we have just thrown out any suggestion of decent, cheap baseload power like coal-fired power stations. Like nuclear, for the love of Christ. Why are we not using nuclear? We can't even talk about it in this country. How stupid is that? It's not even a subject we can debate. It's like, ah, nuclear. It's just, pfft, you can't use nuclear. Well, of course you can. Lots of other people do. People all around the world enjoy clean, cheap power from nuclear power stations. Why can't we? It's the stupidest decision I think this country's made in the last 40 years, you know? This, this, this whole writing off of nuclear power. It's just madness. And it's not like how it used to be, by the way. There's these new modules, there's this new type of nuclear power they're, they're just these nice little things, apparently. I don't know a lot about them. But from what I've heard, they're this, like a modular system that can be carried basically on a truck and you carry it to your existing coal-fired power plant, right? You shift all the coal out of the way. You convert a few things here and there. You plug in your nuclear module and away you go. From what I've heard, it really is that simple. Don't take my word for it, just, you know, maybe look into that a bit yourself. But that's what I've heard. Because I'm not sure how many people know this. Nuclear power is only the heating of water. The, re- the nuclear reaction creates heat, which heats water and boils and creates steam and spins turbines. That's all it is. So you're just boiling water, which is all that coal does the burning of the coal, except your burning of the coal, of course, creates, you know, emissions, uh, whereas nuclear doesn't. It doesn't create any emissions. And we've got all the uranium in the world. It's under our feet everywhere we walk, nearly. So that's a pretty dumb move. Well, but, you know, we might be the lucky country, but... uh we're most certainly at this point in time, and have been for a while, we're a pretty dumb country. Our leadership have made some bloody stupid decisions, and when other leaders try to talk about smart ways of fixing some of this crap, you know, the general public, I don't know, they just, they don't want to hear practicality. They've been drawn into so much of this propaganda surrounding uh, so many things like the vaccine and and green energy, and so much of it is just so non-logical. Non-logical, is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. But we're gonna start making some better better choices. I'm, I'm telling you, we might not have 
such a, a nice place to live in for much longer. We've got it pretty good at the moment. I mean, <laughs> we really do. I mean, sure, the cost of living is going through the roof. Sure, power prices are going through the roof. People are struggling out there. But in the grand scheme of things, it could be way worse. I don't want it to get way worse, but it just might. Oh, boy. All right. I might wrap it up. 40 minutes. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Um, that's another rant and another rave. Checked off the list. Cheers, guys. See ya.